Hello everyone and welcome back to the uh, another episode of the podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode today. Uh, today we will be discussing another very important person in the community, specifically what we were what um specifically connected to what we we're going to talk about on Sunday. Um, but uh, you saw the title, you know who we're talking about today. Today we're talking about the one, the only, Sylvia Rivera. Sylvia, Sylvia Rivera is a figure in the LGBTQ plus community who is just renowned all around. If you are a historian or if you are interested in LGBT activism, I I very much encourage you to look up her name, look up um, Stormay's name that I talked about yesterday, look up Marsha's name, which I'm going to talk, who I'm going to talk about tomorrow. Look them up. These women did incredible things and they deserve to be recognized for those incredible things. But let's get right into it and talk about Sylvia. Sylvia Rivera, born July 2nd, 1951, was a Latin American gay liberation and transgender rights activist. Prominent as an activist and community worker in New York, Rivera, who identified as a drag queen, participated in demonstrations with the Gay Liberation Front. Yes, 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 yes. With close friend Marsha P. Johnson, Rivera co-founded the Street Transvestite Action Revolutionaries, or STAR, a group dedicated to helping homeless dra- young drag queens, gay youth, and trans women. Very, very, very nice. Early life. Rivera was born and raised in New York City and lived most of her life in or near the city. She was of Puerto Rican and Venezuelan descent. She was abandoned by her birth father, Jose Rivera, early in life and became an orphan after her mother died by suicide when Rivera was three years old. Rivera was then raised by her Venezuelan grandmother who disapproved of Rivera's effeminate behavior, particularly after Rivera began to wear makeup in fourth grade. As a result, Rivera began living on the streets as the at the age of 11 and was forced to work as a child prostitute she was taken in by the local community of drag queens who gave her the name Sylvia so Sylvia's life did not start off glamorous and ritzy she started off as a very underprivileged child um in the in the 70s being born of uh, of Latin descent was very, very difficult. Um, so it's, it, it, it's really, 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 uh, important to recognize that as like, she didn't, she came from literally nothing and made a name for herself. But, uh, let's talk about her activism now. Rivera's activism began in 1970 after she joined the Gay Activist Alliance at 18 years old where she fought for not only the rights of gay people, but also for the inclusion of drag queens like herself in the movement. Rivera sometimes exaggerated her importance, purporting to have been active during the civil rights movement and through the movement against the Vietnam War and second wave feminist movements, but she could not prove her claims. After her older friend, Marsha P. Johnson, was being praised for being involved in the Stonewall riots, Rivera claimed that she was also present there. Stonewall historian David Carter, however, questioned Rivera's claims to have ever been at the riots that night, but based on contradictory statements she ha- she made, as well as testimony relayed to him by early gay rights activists, including Marsha P. Johnson, who denied Rivera was present at the riots. 
1973, Rivera famously spoke at a gay rights rally after she and Johnson were reportedly banned for making other gay activists quote-unquote look bad. Afterwards, she told anyone who would listen that she was involved in the Stonewall riots, to which Johnson replied, Sylvia, you know you weren't there, after which Rivera went silent. When the Stonewall riots occurred, Rivera was only 17 years old, and according to Bob Kohler, who was there on the two nights of the riots, always hung out uptown at Bryant Park, and never came downtown. Johnson told gay rights historian Eric Marcus in 1987 that in the hours prior to her arriving downtown to join the other protesters at the riots, she had a party uptown and mentioned that Rivera and them were over in the Bryant Park having, over in the park having a cocktail. Kohler told Carter that although Rivera had not been at the uprising, he hoped Carter would nonetheless portray her as having been there. Another Stonewall veteran, Thomas Langenschmidt, claimed that he wanted to add her so that young Puerto Rican transgender people on the street would have a role model. Kohler and Rivera had a discussion over what to include in the book and denied Rivera's requests to be portrayed as the one as being the one who threw as being the one to throw the first Molotov cocktail, throwing the first brick and having thrown the first bottle, allow only allowing Rivera to be portrayed as someone who had thrown a bottle as opposed to being the first. Randy Wicker, who was part of the uh, Madison Society and was an early critic of the violent militant tactics used by Johnson and other Stonewall veterans, said Johnson had told him that Sylvia was not at Stonewall as she was asleep after taking heroin uptown. Rivera was also... Rivera would also claim to have been involved in Puerto Rican and African American youth activism, particularly with the Young Lords and Black Panthers. After different times in her life, Rivera battled substance abuse and lived on the streets, largely in gay homeless community, in the gay homeless community at Christopher Street docks. Her experiences made her more focused on advocacy for those, in her view, mainstream society and the assimilationist sectors of the lesbian, gay, bisexual, and trans gender communities were leaving behind. For those reasons, Rivera projected her voice to give her community power. She fought for herself, but most importantly for the rights of people of color and low-income LGBT people. As someone who suffered from systematic poverty and racism, Rivera used her voice for unity, sharing her story, pain, and struggles to show her community they are not alone. She amplified the voices of the most vulnerable members of the gay community, drag queens, homeless youth, gay inmates in prison and jail, and transgender people. Johnson was Rivera's friend and ally. Their discussions led to activism, and in 1970, Rivera and Johnson co-founded Street Transvestite Action Revolutionaries, or STAR. STAR offered services and advocacy for homeless queer youth and fought for the Sexual Orientation Non-Discrimination Act in New York. Sonda prohibits discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation in employment, housing, public accommodations, education, credit, and the exercise of civil rights. At this 1973 Christopher Street Liberation Day rally in New York City, Rivera, representing Starr, gave a brief speech from the main stage in which she called out the heterosexual male males who were preying on vulnerable members of the community. Rivera espoused with what could have been seen as a third gender perspective, saying that LGBT prisoners seeking help, quote, do not write women, they do not write men, they write to star, unquote. At the same event, Rivera and fellow queen Lee Brewster jumped on stage during feminist activist Gene O'Reilly's speech and shouts at the crowd her, y'all better 
quiet down speech stating you got you go to bars because of what drag queens did for you and these bitches tell us to quit being ourselves in early july 1992 shortly after the new york city pride march johnson's body was floating in the hudson river off the west village piers police promptly ruled Johnson's death a suicide despite the presence of a head wound. Johnson's friends and supporters, Rivera included, ins insisted Johnson had not been suicidal, and a people's posturing campaign later declared that Johnson had earlier been harassed near the spot where her body was found. In May 1995, Rivera told tried to commit suicide by walking into the Hudson River. That year she was also she also appeared in the Arthur Dong commentary episode Outrage 69, part of the PBS series The Question of Equality, and gave an extensive interview to gay journalist Rainey Wicker in which she discussed her suicide attempts, Johnson's life and death, and her advocacy for poor and working class gay people made homeless by the AIDS crisis. In the last five years of her life, Rivera renewed her politically act her political activity, giving many speeches about the Stonewall uprisings and the, necess and the necessity for trans gender people, including drag queens and butch dykes, to fight for their, their legacy at the forefront of the LGBT movement. She traveled to Italy for the Millennium March in 2000, where she was acclaimed as the mother of all gay people. In early 2001, after a service at the Metropolitan Community Church of New York, referring to the Star of Bethlehem, announcing the birth of Jesus, she decided to re resurrect star as an active political organization now changing transvestite to the more recently coined term transgender which at the time was understood to include all gender non-conforming people star fought for the new york city transgender rights bill and for a trans inclusive new york state sexual orientation non-discrimination non act star also sponsored street pressures for justice for amanda milan a transgender woman murdered in 2000 rivera attacked human rights campaign in empire state pride agenda as organizations that were standing in the way of transgender rights. On her deathbed, she met with Matt Foreman and Joe Grabars of ESPA to negotiate transgender inclusions in its political structure and agenda. Rivera was angered by her perception that the significance of drag queens and drag culture was being minimized by the ostensibly assimilationist gay rights agenda, particularly by new would-be gay leaders who were focusing on military service, don't ask, don't tell, and marriage equality. Rivera's conflicts with these newer LGBT groups were emblematic of the mainstream LGBT movement's strained relationship to the radical po politics of many earlier gay liberation activists. After Rivera's death, Michael Bronsky recalled her anger when she felt that she was being marginalized within the community. After Gay Liberation Front folded and the more reformist gay activist alliance, GAA, became New York's primary gay rights group, Sylvia Rivera worked hard within her ranks, within their ranks in 1971 to promote a citywide gay rights anti-discrimination ordinance. But for all of her work, when it came time to make deals, GAA dropped the portions in the civil rights bill that dealt with transvestitism and drag, which just isn't possible to pass it with such extreme elements included. As it turned out, it wasn't possible to pass the bill anyway until 1986. But not only was the language of the bill changed, GAA, which was becoming increasingly more conservative, se several of its founders and officers had plans to run for public office, even changed its political agenda to exclude issues of transvestitism and drag.
It was not it was also not unusual for Sylvia to be urged to front possible possibly dangerous demonstrations, but when the press showed up, she would be pushed aside by the more middle class quote unquote straight appearing leadership. In 1995, Rivera was still hurt. When things started getting more mainstream, it was like, we don't need you no more. But she added, hell hath no fury like a drag queen scorned. Uh, according to Bronski, Rivera was banned from New York's Gay and Lesbian Community Center for several years in the mid-1990s because on a cold winter's night, she aggressively demanded that the center take care of poor and homeless queer youth. A short time before her death, Bronski reported that she said, One of our main goals now is to destroy the human rights campaign because I'm tired of sitting back, sitting on the back of, of the bumper. It's not even the back of the bus anymore. It's the back of the bumper. That bitch, um, the bitch on wheels is back. Um, Rivera's struggles did not relate exclusively to gay and trans people as they in intersected with issues of poverty and discrimination faced by people of color, which caused friction in the GAAs as it was mainly made up of white middle-class gay people. The transgender person of color activist and scholar Jesse Gann discusses how mainstream LGBT groups have routinely dismissed or not paid sufficient attention to Rivera's Latin identity, while Puerto Rican and Latino groups have often not fully acknowledged Rivera's contributions to their struggles for civil rights. Tim Retzloff has discussed this issue with respect to the omission of discussions about race and ethnicity in mainstream U.S. LGBT history, particularly with regards to Rivera's legacy. Oh, man, that was, that was a lot. Um, so, yeah, Rivera dealt with a crazy life. Um... And she worked with, with Marsha to create Star, and they worked together for years. And then um, as soon as the movement and the community became more widely known, they, like, swept her aside and said, no, you're, you're, nah, we don't need you here. Just go away, And which is really messed up, considering that one of her closest friends was murdered and they treated it like a suicide. It's very, very, very sad. Rivera's gender identity was complex and varied throughout her life. In 1971, she spoke of herself as a half-sister. In her essay, Transvestites, Your Half-Sisters and Half-Brothers of the Revolution, she specifically claims her use of transvestite as applying to only the gay community. Transvestites are homosexual men and women who dress in clothes of the opposite sex. In interviews and writings in her later in her later years, notably her 1995 interview with Randy Wicker and her 2002 essay Queens and Exiles: The Forgotten Ones, she expressed a fluid take on gender, referring to herself alternatively as a gay man, a gay girl, a drag queen slash street queen, and again as a gay man, embodying all of these experiences and seeing none of these identities as excluding the others. Rivera writes of having considered gender reassignment surgery much earlier in life, but of ultimately choosing to reject it, taking hormones only near the end of her life. I left home at age 10 in 1961. I hustled on 42nd Street. I hustled on 42nd Street. The early 60s was not a good time for drag queens, effeminate boys, or boys that wore makeup like, I, like we did. Back then, we were beat up by the police, by everyone. I didn't really... I didn't really come out as a drag queen until the late 60s where drag queens were when drag queens were arrested when what degradation degradation was there was I remember the first time I got arrested I wasn't even in full drag I was walking down the street and the cops just snatched me 
People now want to call me a lesbian because I'm with Julia. I say no, I'm just me. I'm not a lesbian. I'm tired of being labeled. I don't even like the label transgender. I'm tired of living with labels. I just want to be who I am. I am Sylvia Rivera. Ray Rivera left home at the age of 10 to become Sylvia, and that's who I am. Um... Now, let's talk about uh, her legacy and the impact she left behind. As an active member of the Metropolitan Community Church of New York, Rivera ministered through, through the church's food pantry, which, provo- which provides food to, the, to hungry people. As well recalling her life as a child on the streets, she remained as a passionate advocate for queer youth. MCC New York has a food pantry called the Sylvia Rivera Food Pantry, and its queer youth youth shelter is called Sylvia's Place, both in her honor. Um, season 1, Episode 1, and Season 3, Episode 1 of the podcast Making Gay History are about her. Named in her honor and established in 2002, the Sylvia Rivera Law Project is dedicated to, quote, to guarantee that all people are free to self determine gender identity and expression regardless of income or race and without facing harassment, discrimination, or violence, end quote. In 2002, actor-comedian Jade Esteban Estrada portrayed Rivera in the well-received solo musical Icons, The Lesbian and Gay History of the World, Volume 1, directed by Eliza Washabal Durand and produced by, and produced by Eliza and Christopher Durand. Winning Rivera, ren- winning Rivera renewed national attention. Um, in 2005, the corner of Christopher and Hudson Streets were renamed Sylvia Rivera Way in her honor. This intersection in- is in Greenwich Village, the neighborhood in New York City which Rivera started organizing and is only two blocks from the Stonewall Inn. In January 2007, a new musical based upon Rivera's life, Sylvia So Far, premiered in New York at La Mama, in a production starring Bianca Lay as Rivera and Peter Proctor as Marsha P. Johnson. The composer and lyricist is Timothy Mathis, Wallflowers, Our Story 2, The Conjuring, a friend of Rivera's in real life. The show moved off Broadway in the winter of 2007 to 2008. The spring of 2007 issued a Centro, a Centro Journal of the Center of Puerto Rican Studies, which was dedicated to, quote, Puerto Rican queer sexualities, end quote, and published at Hunter College, included a special dossier on Rivera, including a transcription of a talk by Rivera from 2001, as well as two academic essays exploring the intersections of Rivera's trans and Latin identities. The articles in this journal um, issue complement other... Um, Wait, the articles in this journal issue complement other essays by Puerto Rican scholars who have also emphasized Rivera's pioneering role. In 2014, the social justice hub at the New York's, at the new school's newly opened University Center was named the Baldwin-Rivera-Boggs Center after activists James Baldwin, Sylvia Rivera, and Grace Lee Boggs. In 2015, a portrait of Rivera was added to the National Portrait Gallery, making Rivera the first transgender activist to be featured in the gallery. In 2016, Rivera was inducted into the Legacy Walk. In 2018, Happy Birthday, Happy Birthday Marsha, a short film about Rivera and Marsha P. Johnson's Marsha P. Johnson, set in the hours before the 1969 Stonewall riots in New York City, was released. A large painted mural 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 
depicting Rivera and Marshall B. Johnson, went on display in Dallas, Texas in 2019 to commemorate the 50th anniversary of the Stonewall Riots. The painting of the two pioneers of the gay rights movement in, a front, in front of a transgender flag claims to be the world's largest mural hanging honoring the trans community. In May 2019, it was announced that LGBT rights activists Marsha P. Johnson and Sylvia Rivera would be commemorated with a monument in New York's Greenwich Village near the epicenter of the historic Stonewall Riots. The monument was publicly announced on May 30th in honor of the 50th anniversary of Stonewall and just in time for Pride Month. In June 2019, the Italian city of Livorno dedicated a green area to to Rivera called Parco Silvia Rivera. In June 2019, Rivera was one of the inaugural 50 American pioneers, trailblazers, and heroes inducted into the National LGBTQ Wall of Honor within the Stonewall National Monument in New York City's Stonewall Inn. The Stonewall National Monument is the first U.S. national monument dedicated to LGBTQ rights in history, and the wall's unveiling was timed to take place during the 50th anniversary of the Stonewall Riots. Man, oh man, Sylvia Rivera was a complicated woman. Uh, she lived a life that was extremely difficult. That was extremely trying. That was, that was met with extreme challenges, especially during the 60s where, like it was stated in that, in that page, um, during the 60s, before the civil rights movement fully kicked into high gear, the police were very, very vitriolic towards trans people specifically. And that wasn't even just in New York. That was all over the country. There was a problem everywhere with police unfairly arresting people in the trans community just for walking on the street. Like, they didn't they didn't even commit any crimes. They were literally just walking on the street. But if a cop wanted to harass you and arrest you, they were going to do it because they were well within their right to do it. Um, and I find it so cool that her and Marsha fought so hard for queer youth in New York City specifically because I live in New York City and um, a lot of people don't remember that a bunch of LGBTQ plus history happened in this city. A lot of activists that that were part of the movement lived in this city. Harvey Milk, the first openly gay um, politician um, in San Francisco, lived in New York City before he moved there. Gilbert Baker lived in New York City before he moved to San Francisco, before he designed the Pride flag. Marsha P. Johnson moved to New York City after gr- growing up in New Jersey. Sylvia Rivera grew up in New York City. It's There's so many people that were so impactful to the community that lived in this city and has impacted the city as a whole. And it's crazy to think about that just 50, 60 years ago, or however long, like, no, 50 years ago. Um, that, actually not even 50 years ago, let's say like 51 years ago, 1968. Um, even back then, people were not, um, even like people in 1968 didn't have the same rights that we have nowadays. But even after Stonewall happened in 1969, people had to fight for those rights very, very, diff- very hard very, for a very long time, but it ended up paying off in the long run. 
And it's incredible to hear those stories and hear those experiences and know that so many people quite literally gave up their lives in order to make this community what it is nowadays. And I love that. Um, but yes, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the podcast. Um, and tomorrow is the, is, is, is the doozy. It's, it's when things kick into high gear. So I hope you guys are excited for that. Um, but ending affirmations as always, you are loved, you are seen, you are valid, you are heard. You're doing incredible work. Keep going. You got this. Um... Also, donate, protest, educate, sign petitions, keep fighting. Just because there's no more there's no more media attention, does that mean that you don't keep fighting? Keep fighting. Progress is being made. It's slow. It's going to take a while, but progress is being made. Keep going. You've got this. All right? So thank you all so much for listening to this episode. Thank you all. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast for this long. I very much appreciate you all, and I'll see you guys tomorrow.